Drawing it up all the way to the pretty much about the top of the pan because deep dish is named deep dish because the crust is so deep. But the center of the pizza shouldn't be. It should have the crust kind of towering over uh, the pizza. One of the true legends of Chicago deep dish you probably never heard of, even though it's the same age as Lou Malnati's with its 50 plus locations. My Pie has just one location in Chicago and it's still producing some of the best in class. I sit down with Rich Aronson, the second generation owner who learned about pizza making from his dad, a descendant in a long line of bakers. The My Pie story, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to another edition of Pizza City, everybody. Uh, great to have you along with us. We are moving things around the country as we always do. We're back in Chicago this week for the story of what I think is one of the best versions of, of deep dish pizza. We've only done, by the way, one other deep dish so far on this show. I think it was back on show number two. We had Rich Labriola and his fantastic uh, sort of reimagined deep dish that kind of pulls from uh, Uno's and My Pie, Burt's, Pequod's. But today we are focusing on My Pie. Now, this is a place, it's been around for almost 50 years, and people forget about it because of uh, the dominance of Lou Malnati's. It's not Luminati's, it's not Lou's, it's Lou, well, Lou's for short in Chicago, but it's Lou Malnati's. They've been around since 1971, um, and Lou started this because he was uh, rejected uh, from taking the, the business over at, over at Uno's, where he was working for Ike Sewell and Rick Ricardo, and Sewell sold the business, and so to somebody else from Boston. And so Lou went off on his own with his wife. They opened up a place in Lincolnwood, 1971, on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and that has been a success story all throughout Chicago. They've got more than 50 locations. Uh, they're in Arizona. I saw they're just announced they're opening up the first one in Wisconsin, outside of Milwaukee. Um, and then there's Little My Pie, which opened up five months later on August 24th, 1971, a day before I turned three years old. And this was Larry Aronson was going to school up at Northwestern, studying business, always tinkered around in the kitchen. And uh, he loved, he grew up with Uno's. That was his special occasion pizza. Because remember, people in Chicago have thin crust when they grow up. And the, the deep dish was a special occasion thing. And he wanted to create his version of that pizza because he's a tinkerer and he comes from a long line of bakers. So he created his version of that, his my pie, as he called it. And that has been, it's, it's been all over the Midwest. They were in about eight or nine states at one point. Uh, they were in Minneapolis. I remember as a kid in the 70s, we had my pie. Um, they do ship all over the country still. It's a very special recipe. It is not what you think. The, the polar opposite of stuffed pizza. Uh, everybody thinks of Chicago deep dish as this enormous monstrosity, this above-ground outdoor pool, which, of course, it is not. And, and my pie really... Um, really proves that uh, to be incorrect, that, that stereotype. So I sat down with Rich Aronson. He's doing a pop-up right now. Um, it goes until the 14th, so another week. 
uh, over downtown in the loop and then he's done and then Pat's comes in but he's going to go back to his one location um, in Bucktown and it's not that far from downtown it's a 10 or 15 minute cab ride depending on traffic uh, but we sat down just uh, outside of the the pop-up in the loop and I started with asking him how did his dad Larry get this idea to start a deep dish joint my dad uh, yeah he grew up on uh, Uno's loved it wanted to create his version of it started in 71 when I was four so let's talk about Larry Aronson. Um, was he was he a baker? Was he a hobbyist? Was he just a tinkerer? What was his background? He was all of that. He grew up in my grandfather's bakery, delicious bakery. Good name. On uh, Argyle. This is like back in the 50s, 60s? 40s to about the 70s. So Argyle's way up on Uptown, kind of the north side of the city. Yeah. My dad grew up in the business. My whole family was bakers. My uh, great uncle was the main bake, the head baker at my grandfather's bakery. They learned it from my great grandfather and his great great grandfather. My great great grandfather uh, was a baker in Bialystok. Making Bialys, probably, no? Yes, he was making Bialys. So your dad, Larry, then grew up, obviously, with this in his DNA. He did. He grew up with food in his DNA. He went to Northwestern Business School put himself through business school with a hot dog cart. He was always into food. He was the steward at his fraternity. And back then, there was no, you know, outside or this or chefs or, or anything. So him being the steward, he would, now granted, they did eat better than any other fraternity there ever was, because he would go down to the markets. He would get a side of cattle. He would, uh, uh, flayed up himself he would save the tenderloins he would break it down himself and he would save things like the tenderloin where you only have one uh on a side of cow so when he had enough of them they would have filet mignon for dinner at the fraternity then when he graduated he went into a new york stock exchange and worked his way up and became a partner there and it wasn't until his uncle asked him to help his cousin uh, to open a pizzeria. And then, unbeknownst to him, uh, his cousin wasn't that stable. So in the first day when they opened and they line out the door, he actually kind of went canatonic. He just was freaked out by the business and everything and just, just couldn't do anything. And were they doing thin crust or deep? No, only deep dish. Everybody back then pretty much did their own style of pizza. So the thin crust places just did thin crust. You know, deep dish just did deep dish. And, and that's kind of the way it worked. It wasn't until you got into like the 80s that people started kind of crossing over. Named it My Pie with his pizza, doing all the stuff. And uh, his cousin, after the first week, had to leave the business. Just went nuts. He just, yeah. And so my dad ended up with, instead of 50% of the restaurant, 100% of the restaurant. And then it took off so incredibly that his partners from the brokerage house, where my dad was traveling all across the country, he had, they had offices, and he had, they had the regional partners in each office. And so as they heard how well it was doing, a partner wanted to open up one, the Florida partner in Miami. He wanted to open up a Mai Pai. So my dad did a franchise in Miami Beach with that partner. And that became the first deep dish pizzeria outside of Illinois. In order to get the right cheese down there, he shipped it from Wisconsin 
to Florida, he shipped the Italian sausage. All throughout the history of my pie into the 80s and 90s, when it was on the East Coast and in the South and in the West Coast, in order to keep it consistent, he was shipping things like the cheese and the sausage because you can't get that. And to this day, you can't get the cheese on the East Coast or on the West Coast. In the late 60s, there were just a handful of deep dish places. Uno's, uh, 43, Douay, 55, uh, Gino's East, somewhere in the 60s. Right. Uh, and that was about it. And then, of course, in 71, five months before your dad opened, right. Lou Malnati opened up his legendary place in Lincolnwood. Exactly. So there weren't a ton of deep dish places. When he said he wanted to make this his version of Uno's, right, his Mai Pai. Right. So tell me, what, what do you think that was like? He was always a tinkerer. And like when he was the steward in college in the 50s and he was making it and he, he made it all the way up until he, he opened the restaurant. But what he wanted to do was multiple things is what he changed. Uh, one, he changed a few things about the dough because when Uno's invented it, they invented it as restaurateurs who were basing the deep dish dough more on traditional pizza dough and deep dish dough is much more like uh, bread than it is a pizza because it really is a bread that is topped, you know. So a little bit more of a focaccia, you know, like that style of pizza. So what he wanted to do to kind of change it to his version was instead of by going by pizza rules of crust, go by like bread rules, I should say. So what that meant was making the dough fresh every day, making sure that it had three full rises with the third rise finishing in the oven. That's how the crust ends up being a little bit more of a bread. It's a little bit crispier and tender rather than brittle and kind of hard crunch. There is fat in the dough, just like a, a pizza has a higher fat content than your standard bread. So it has that combination of oils in there. He used kind of more of a neutral oil with an olive oil to give it flavor. The spice packet is kind of a weird Aronson uh, lock and key thing. Yes, it is. And that is the thing that only my dad knows the recipe for, and he still makes it. But that was one of the other things that he wanted to do to, to make it his version of the pizza because he wanted to give the flavor to the tomatoes and the whole pizza that in general was only coming from the Italian sausage. In Chicago, when you pinch and press it onto the dough, that fat renders into the dough and you get the flavor. You get the flavor of the fat, but also of all the spices in there. So you have the fennel, but you also have garlic and salt and pepper and various other spices that are in the sausage. A deep dish pizza is normally made by just taking the San Marzano tomatoes and putting it on top of the pizza with the sausage. So the tomatoes themselves don't have much of a flavor. It's a little bit of Parmesan and oregano that goes on top of it, but most of it is rendering out from the fat and spices of the Italian sausage. So my dad thought, let's give a complimentary flavor of that sausage to the tomatoes so that the tomatoes have its own flavor and it's flavorful. And it really uh, makes it balanced when, you, especially when you don't have the Italian sausage on there, because then you don't have anything giving it, you know, the various different spices in it. 
So my dad started there and then I think went from there because I know that there's somewhere between eight and 13 or 14 spices, which I'm pretty sure would be more than the number of spices that would just be in an Italian sausage. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Rich Aronson, owner of My Pie Pizza here in Chicago, about how they actually build their legendary deep dish, which is coming up in about 48 years old. We're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks, so stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Rich Aronson this week, the owner of My Pie Pizza here in Chicago. And you've really got two locations for just about a week more because you're in a, we're standing right now near your pop-up downtown in the Loop. Tell me about this. So, yeah, so we're at Revival Food Hall, courtesy of you. Uh, and just to tell people what this was, so the, the owners of Revival Food Hall, they've got 13 uh, different vendors downstairs, and they asked, could I maybe curate a rotating pop-up for about a year, three months each of different neighborhood pizza places. And since my pie is up in Bucktown, not a lot of visitors get to go there. there so you're now, you've been downtown for the last three months. Uh, this ends on the 14th of June, mm-hmm. and then Pat's will come in, a thin crust from Chicago. It's really exposed us to a lot of new people. Good. I, you know, I had this pizza when I was a kid in Minneapolis in the 70s. There was a my pie there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys were in like nine states at one point. You were the first yes. deep dish outside of Chicago before Lou Malnati's. You've just got one location now. So what happened? My dad uh, had a situation with one of his franchises. And after that, is a little bit disillusioned and just kind of wanted to concentrate on his own restaurants. He didn't want to have the more restaurants, especially franchises, the more bigger you get, the more problems you can have. And he just wanted to simplify his life. He opened a few more restaurants and really expanded in Chicago and kind of shut down the franchise so that he had more control over it because he really is a perfectionist and really wants to keep it that way. And then we're just down to the one location just because, yeah, my dad is in his middle 80s. And as he got into his late 60s and so, he just wanted, you know, it's time. Yeah. And you, by the way, you grew up in the business, but you also went off and worked in culinary. Uh, yes, I did. So I grew up in my dad's pizzerias for years. And when it came time to go to college, chemistry, I want to be a chemist. You know, I looked at all the majors literally, and it was like I loved working in a restaurant. So, yes, I went into restaurant management school, and that's where I learned the important lesson of I didn't like the managing as much as I liked the cooking. So I went to the Culinary Institute of America and became a chef. I went into fine dining and I kind of worked my way up until I had my own fine dining restaurant. Let's talk about the pizza. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you start, you talked about the dough in the last segment a little bit. Take us through that a little bit um, and how you prep that to get it into the pan before you start topping. It's really about execution more so than anything. And that is properly incorporating the ingredients. I, I don't want my dad to hear this and you know, jump on me for giving away too much. Larry, cover your ears for a second. Okay. Okay. So we'll do that. So yeah, when you're mixing the dry ingredients and the wet ingredients, you want to use, my dad especially always liked a fresh yeast, gives it a little bit more of a yeasty flavor than using dry yeast. So anyway, using the yeast, making sure it hydrates in the water, having enough salt for flavor, and it also kind of tempers the yeast from going out of control so that it doesn't create too much carbon dioxide too quickly. 
Bulk fermentation? Uh, yes, bulk fermentation, just like a bread would be. So you're going to bulk ferment it, double it in size. That tells you that it, the yeast has done all its uh, uh, action and is starting to go dormant. Uh, then you're going to ball up the dough and make sure that you knead it again so that you move the yeast to a new food source and you're going to get that second full rise. In the cooler then? Uh, not in the cooler. We're doing this because we're making a fresh dough every day, so we're starting in the morning, and you need by dinner time to have it ready to make pizzas. Okay. You're now about four hours, five hours into making your dough. Pushed out yet into the uh, pan? No. Okay. See, once it's doubled in size, then the gluten has kind of relaxed, and you're able to then pat it out into the shape of the pizza. And do you do you draw the, the dough up along the interior wall of the pizza, or the, of the pan as well? Yes, we're drawing it up all the way to the pretty much about the top of the pan, because deep dish is named deep dish because the crust is so deep. But the center of the pizza shouldn't be. should have the crust kind of towering over uh, the pizza. Okay, so cheese on top of this, right? On to, right on top of the dough. Cheese goes right on top of the dough as we pat it out um, and it starts its third rise. So then at that point, it's going to rise a little bit and we're going to make the pizza and it's going to go into the oven. Well, obviously we're a restaurant, so people aren't necessarily there yet. That's when it goes in the refrigerator to start slowing down the third rise. With the cheese on it or no? With the cheese on it. Okay, what so type the, of cheese? Uh, it's a uh, part skim uh, Wisconsin uh, mozzarella cheese. Grande? Uh, we don't use a grande. Okay. It is a sliced mozzarella because you don't want any nooks and crannies right. from the shredded cheese allowing the sauce to get to the crust because that's the main thing about deep dish. Uh, you don't want a gummy crust and the way you do that is you protect it with the cheese. Which is what happens with a stuffed pizza because that top layer of dough is always touching sauce and or cheese. Exactly, and it makes it uh, gummy. So you have to have the cheese on the dough. Now, once you put the cheese on the dough, then you're talking about no way of being able to cook the pizza quickly. So that's one of that's the main reason why it takes 25 to 30 minutes to cook a deep dish pizza. The cheese actually insulates the heat from coming up from the bottom of the crust and cooking the rest of the pizza. Okay, so on top of the cheese, you start with your toppings then? Exactly. You start with the toppings, whether it's the sausage, the pepperoni, then you're going to go with like your vegetables. And then, you contend, by the way, pepperoni, number one topping in America, except for Chicago. Except for in Chicago, we invented Italian sausage here, and it still to this day is the number one ingredient. Anthony Falco would argue with me about this, about the Italian sausage. Like, they've been doing it in... Italy and New York for forever, and I'm like, well, but in, in terms of a pizza topping, I think it's Chicago takes precedence. It does, and the, the main reason for that is because it goes on raw, and you're rendering out the flavor of the pizza, and it gives it such an incredible amount of flavor because those natural oils and the spices render into the pizza, whereas if you cook the sausage by itself, a lot of that goes into the garbage. And you still have a wonderful sausage, but it doesn't have enough flavor to then render into everything else. What about the sauce? The special type of tomatoes? Uh, yes, it is. It's a San Marzano tomato, but my dad wanted to get it from California because my dad had a very serious uh, illness when he was a teenager with his stomach. And so he's a very sensitive stomach, and the California San Marzanos just have less acid. It's a um, not quite as hot as Italy in its growing conditions, and when you grow a fruit hotter, it's more acidic. So less hot, 
it's less acidic and it's not as hard in the stomach. And you wanna basically crush them up just part of the way, you know, like half the way. So it's a very chunky, uh, slightly finished sauce so that when it cooks, it cooks for so long that the moisture evaporates away and you have a nice, light, not too thick, not like tomato puree sauce. Last thing is uh, Parmigiano-Reggiano and oregano? Uh, yes, Parmigiano uh, and sometimes a little bit of a Romano too. Um, the difference there is Romano has actually a higher butterfat content, so it's less likely to burn because you're cooking it for so long, it can take more energy before it starts to burn as opposed to Parmesan. I always thought you wanted to have that salty or cheese on top to sort of balance that really creamy, rich mozzarella underneath. Uh, you do, but uh, you do sometimes have problems with just straight Parmesan burning. Okay. You know, especially with our ovens in Bucktown are so uh, powerful that we had to add a little bit more Romano to prevent it from being too burnt. Okay, so conveyor belt oven for about 20, 25 minutes, and then when you uh, t take it out with your spatula, you can literally hold the pizza up with your hands. Exactly, just like, uh, you know, when you make a great bread, you know, a great sturdy bread, it just holds. And so you can hold it up like, even more so unlike New York pizza where they talk about how you gotta hold it, you should be able to hold it, not use a fork and knife, but they actually have to fold it uh, because it's soft and it folds. Well, ours is crisp, well, you can, you're not gonna be able to fold it because it's crisp, but it will hold it. And you just hold it by the edge crust and it especially cracks me up because I prefer holding it, my deep dish pizza and eating it, not using, I never use a, knife and fork. Now, what do you think about people who say that deep dish is to Chicago kind of what Times Square is to New York? It's a tourist thing, it's an occasional thing, it's where you take your relatives from out of town, but yet you make deep dish every day and you got plenty of local customers. Exactly, we mostly have local customers, so I think there's that balance because for people who grew up in Chicago, they will go out and they will have deep dish pizza, whether that's every week or every other week because they're having thin crust at other times too, because that is extremely popular. It's just kind of known touristy because when people, when tourists come to the loop, they're gonna go to some of the classic, you know, touristy spots, just like you're going to Times Square. So yes, you do have mostly tourists and when you have friends coming in from out of town, you take them there, but that doesn't discount the fact that everyday Chicagoans love going out for deep dish pizza. Hey, last question. Uh, I always ask everybody on the, on the podcast, knowing what you know now, you've gone through a lot of R&D with your dad on this, on this product. Um, what would you tell yourself 10, 15 years ago, uh, or maybe even before you got into the pizza game, uh, that you know now as a result of all the experience? That's a tough question. Tough show. It is. I mean, the number one thing, because pizza, for a lot of people, and you kind of call it pigu, uh, the pizza I grew up with syndrome. Compounding that problem is pizzas kind of become a commodity. So the good thing is, I, you know, I grew up in a family business that was always dedicated to the highest quality pizza because if you don't do the high, highest quality pizza, people don't care. And so it becomes very difficult to kind of stand out. Why would you go to any random place for pizza? I'm gonna go to a great place for a hamburger. I'm not gonna go to a crappy place for that. Same thing with pizza. I'm gonna go get a great pizza. Um, doesn't matter what I grew up with. 
I want to uh, I want to seek that out. But I grew up, you know, in a food family. So it's about concentrating on that. And I would say that what I've learned is if I could have put way more into getting that across. And if I had known now back then, I would much rather have more of a full service restaurant like my dad always had than what I ended up with. I got caught up at the very perfect time where fast casual was getting very big and it was great and it allowed me uh, to kind of get off the ground because I did the restaurant on my own without my dad's help because he wouldn't help me. He didn't want me to go into the business. Wow, tough guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So um, I was able to do what I was able to do more as a fast casual, but I would love, uh, and the number one thing to answer your question is, to have a full-service restaurant to really that really gets across the point. Come here and dine. We'll never say never. Uh, the restaurant, again, is called My Pie for another week at least at Revival Food Hall here in the Loop, but uh, they're always at 2010 North Damon, Damon and Armitage in Bucktown. Uh, and you're also on our Sunday pizza tours, our walking tours, so you can do a tour. Rich Aronson, thank you so much for your time today. Go back and make some pizzas. I will, and thank you very much, Steve. And we move from deep dish to New York style slices coming up in two weeks. The Detroitification of a Sicilian slice on New York's Upper West Side. Part of it's Sicilian and part of it's Detroit. So I would think, you know, what's what really stands out to you when you eat my pizza, I think is the caramelized cheese crust and the bake of it actually, that's baked a little more well done than normal. And, um, you know, with that being said, you know, it's got a good hearty Sicilian pizza kind of, um, you know, filling aspect to it, which, yeah, so I would think of the Detroitification of Sicilian-style pizza would be spot on. I'll talk with the owner of Mama's 2 in New York City about his approach to the perfect slice, albeit a little well done. That's in two weeks on June 21st. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or the Himalaya app, and please review us. By us, of course, I mean me, since I produce today's show. You can follow us at Pizza City USA on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at Pizza City Tours. And speaking of tours, take one the next time you're in Chicago. More information about those and how to get my book at PizzaCityUSA.com. You can send compliments or complaints to me on all social media at Steve Delinsky. That's with a Y. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And next time you're in Chicago, check out Revival Food Hall in the Loop with its pop-up pizza location. It's currently, as we said, on my pie, but on the 17th, uh, Pat's starts doing their thin crust. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, optimal bite ratio always. Always.